Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. Satellite Sisters, welcome to the show. It is Sunday, April 28th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California, joined on the line by Monica Dolan in Portland, Oregon. Monica, we're getting a complete trip report from you today, right? Because you've been on the move since we last spoke. Yes, Liz, just back from beautiful Puerto Rico. I'll tell you all about it. Nice, nice. (laughs) And Julie Dolan is here from Dallas, Texas. You were kind of the center of the action this week, right? Yes, Liz. Uh, It was uh, all five presidents, but much more importantly, all five first ladies were here in Dallas. (laughs) Wow, that is big for you, Julie. It is, Monica. We know how you love the ladies. uh, All right, well, we have have a lot to cover this week. I'm here kind of working out a little little neck ache, actually, this morning, sisters, because I think I have an ergonomic situation at work. I got moved into a new office this week because they're renovating the building that I was in. And I just, clearly I don't have things arranged correctly on my desk. Because I, when I woke up yesterday morning, Saturday morning, I like could not turn my head at all. Wouldn't you say that's an indicator that something is wrong? Yeah, I got a, I got a tip for you, Liz, later on in the show. Oh. I'm going to reveal it. Okay. All right. The, you don't want to reveal it. Excellent. Because on my desk, I basically, I, like I have a computer, I have my laptop, then I have a big monitor, and then I also have a video conference box because a lot of my day, a lot of my work is spent talking to people in, um, in Europe or in Latin America, and we do it all on the on the VC box. So I think I'm just, I don't have them arrayed correctly. I'm turning wrong or I'm looking into the VC and then turning back to call things up on my computer. Ooh. It is just not working for me. So Ooh, I'm feeling some stiffness come on right now. <laughs> just that. hearing about that. Yes. And I think my chair is not at the right height. I don't know. I'm just going to. I can hear the tightness in your voice, Liz. You it's can. strange that you, that you mentioned that. I can I can tell. So okay. thank you, even though you're in pain for being with us today. All right. All right. The, uh, it's amazing what a little Advil will do, though. Right. Once again, the wonder drug came through for me yesterday. Uh, all right. Today, actually, the, the breaking news from the Satellite Sisterhood is Leon's book, her second novel, her hilarious new romantic comedy, entitled Elizabeth the First Wife, even though the actual publication date is May 8th, Amazon released it this week. So it is out into the world. Right, Julie? Oh, yes. I put my order in. Um, and yes, and I'm paying full price, Lee, and just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we had, so we had all the like rollout activities planned for the first couple of weeks. And then with Amazon jumping the gun, there's really not much we can do because we're kind of locked into a couple of big events. But one of them, Julie, you're coming to Southern California for the first big event, right? Yes, and I'm encouraging all of Satellite Sisterhood to co- to join me uh, by coming to Pasadena, California, on Wednesday, May 8th. We're going to be there at Vroman's Bookstore, which is one of the l- largest independent bookstores in the country. Leanne's going to be there. 
reading from her new book, and it's going to be lots and lots of fun. So please join me. Just get on a plane. Get in a car. Just come to Pasadena. <laughs> and if you can't make it on May 8th, a couple of weeks later, May 19th is a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. There's a little bookstore here in my part of town uh, in Brentwood called Diesel Bookstore. It's at the Brentwood Country Mart, and Sheila and I are going to be co-hosting a little book party for Leon. So Annabelle Needle herself will be there to help introduce Leon. And not only will Leon be there speaking and signing books, but we are having an artisanal ice cream tasting because directly next door to the bookstore Diesel is this organic artisanal hipster ice cream shop called Sweet Rose Creamery. So I have arranged all the ice cream pops and ice cream sandwiches, artisanal ice cream sandwiches. Yes. Oh, I think it's really going to be good, Monica. I think it is. Yeah. So that's um, Sunday the 19th. If you feel like coming down that weekend, Monica, uh, to join us for some uh, ice cream sammies, uh, just pencil that right in. Anyway, all of this stuff is listed on Leon's author page at Facebook. So you just search on Leon Dolan author, and all of her dates all around the country are posted there. There were several Satellite Sisters on our Facebook group that asked why there's nothing scheduled yet in Orange County, which I think is a perfectly legitimate question. So uh, we haven't had a chance to take that up with Leon yet. I know she's got something in Manhattan Beach, but I know that's not really Orange County. So we'll figure out. We've got people there, right? We can we can get the OC sorted out. Uh, I think we can, yeah. Yeah, so we're working on that. And in the meantime, the not only is the book book available, but the Kindle version is also available. Last time with uh, Helen of Pasadena, there was a kind of a delay on the e-version. You can download the e-version right now. Even while you're listening to us, you could be also downloading uh, Elizabeth the First Wife if what you want is the Kindle version. So Leon is off, you know, madly doing all book-related things today, and but we just wanted to um, wish this book the best and remind you there are places where uh, you can come, meet Leanne, have her sign the book, and have an ice cream sandwich to boot. So, all right, Monica, um, you've been from Portland, Oregon to San Juan, Puerto Rico. That is actually quite a long way. I know, Liz. You know, I was thinking that is probably like the farthest point in the U.S. from Portland, Oregon that I could travel for a meeting. Yeah. Oh, that's the best part. I know. I, I got to go for work, a work meeting in Puerto Rico when I saw the email, I don't know, six months ago. I was like, you're kidding me. Puerto Rico, who wouldn't want to go there? So it was super fun. So I went to Puerto Rico and I first, the meeting was in San Juan. We stayed at this place in Condado Beach and San Juan is a big, busy loud city, but it happens to be on a beautiful beach. So all of these hotels, you know, there's beach right outside, which is very nice. And it was really, really fun. We got a lot of, uh, got a lot of chance to look around San Juan and go into old San Juan. We went there for dinner one night. We had a beautiful dinner. And then I went in the next day on my own. And I have to say old San Juan is very beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it looks like the French quarter, but cleaner. Oh, really? All right. Yes. I would say they must have 
cleaned it up. I just remember we went we went to Puerto Rico's kids a couple of times times on vacation, but we never we we were really into the cultural things, were we? No, no, no. no. It was hard to get us off the beach. It was hard to get us off the beach. So so this was a good chance for me to look around and I went to there's a beautiful fort there, El Moro, which is you look out on the ocean on one side and the bay on the other. It was just fantastic really really great and you know to go from this dreary cold spring weather that we have here in portland and just step out and it's balmy at night and it was breezy and there's palm trees it was it was absolutely wonderful so i had my meeting that was a couple of days very fun some fun food had some pina coladas girls <laughs> okay Okay, and your new, your fresh Chico's clothes all worked oh, out? Yeah, my fresh time. Chico's clothes. I had okay. my little mini wardrobe there for the meeting, which worked out fine. Julie, I'm glad I had the little cardigan sweater because oh. you know how cold it gets in those meeting rooms. Um, so that was fun. And then I decided I stayed for an extra, I say, five days. Oh, um, great. Yeah, and I, the fun thing about having this meeting in Puerto Rico is that almost everyone there tacked on a little bit of vacation time either before the meeting or after so we were just having a blast and so when it came to the end of the meeting they started talking about where should we go next year i, I looked around i'm like where should we go next year i mean <laughs> is there any question i mean can't we come back here and someone actually suggested seattle oh in April. Oh, no. I'm not going if it's in Seattle. I mean, Seattle is a fun, nice place and can be beautiful, but probably not in April. If not you, in April. If you were doing Seattle in September, fantastic. Yeah, I agree, Liz. So I, uh, I got out of there. I got out of San Juan. I got my rental car. And I, let me tell you, driving in Puerto Rico, it's like, <laughs> there's no blinker use at all julie which you know i am a blinker believer and i i had read this that you know dry, there's just a lot of wild lane changing and it seems to seems to happen at the last minute with no blinkers so you have to be constantly on alert but I kind of enjoyed it. I thought there was a little bit of an edge to the driving, mm -hmm. so I so I thought that was fun. And so when I, you're in a rental, it's okay, right? It, it is like, okay. It's it, not it, like you're worried about your own car. Right, and I had a beautiful car. Ooh, a Hyundai Sonata. Hmm, I enjoyed that. So I drove, I, I rented this really cheap, well, inexpensive, let's just put it that way, condo at a beautiful beach resort called Rio Mar, which is about an hour outside of Puerto Rico, of San Juan. And it was really fun. We got, I got to see that whole side of the island. And every day I went out in my car on some little excursion. But mainly it was this just beautiful beach resort. And, you know, you could walk on the beach for miles. And it was one of those places where it was like land of a thousand swimming pools, mm. oh. which I enjoyed. Um, besides, you sent me a picture of one of the swimming pools pools Monica. I, I was a little bit jealous it looked beautiful there there wasn't a soul there at at like the beach condo that i stayed at there was no one it is attached to a big hotel that was kind of busy and uh i did walk down there uh 
just to look around the hotel. It wasn't really my cup of tea, but where I stayed, it was perfect. Really, really fun, really nice. And um, But the only problem I had was uh, I was starting to get a little sunburn on my back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I just could cut, not cough up the $20 for the spray. I should have gotten the spray suntan lotion, sunscreen, which I always oh, did. Let me, let, me just, let me just repeat what I just heard, that you got a sunburn because you wouldn't buy the $20 spray. I know, Julie, and I regretted it. I just had a two, but how are you going to get sunscreen on your back when you're alone? Yeah, that's, no, a, that is a, yeah, that's a solo vacationer uh, challenge for sure. It's a dilemma, has that. That's why you buy. That's why you buy the spray, Monica. Yeah, I know, Julie. I regret it. I, I still regret it. So let me tell you how you put sunscreen on your back. You get the spatula <laughs> from the condo kitchen. From the condo kitchen, you got your spatula. You wrap a little washcloth around it. Secure it with some tape or a hair band, which <laughs> <Yeah>. I had. <laughs> then, then I just squeezed a generous amount of sunscreen on the washcloth, and then you just rub the spatula down your back. And Liz, I'm just suggesting <laughs> as, my tip for you: if your neck hurts, you might try the spatula with the washcloth. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like you'd get some exfoliation from that process, too. Yeah, some self-massage. So I I solved the whole sunscreen dilemma uh, with the spatula, which was really fun. But I also got to go to the rainforest, El Yunque. Uh, Puerto Rico has this beautiful, beautiful rainforest. It's a big... I guess national park. I don't know what it is. Public park. Um, but it was 10 minutes from my hotel. So I kind of looked out. If I looked out one view from the back of the resort was El Yunque, this beautiful rainforest. It was 10 minutes from the hotel. And I know when we went to Puerto Rico, we, we knew we should go there when we were kids on vacation, but again, we could never tear ourselves away from the beach. Right. So I'm just saying I went there for all of us. Okay. Okay. And did you regret all of those years did we did not go there? Or no, did I did not. I, I think I, I don't know if it would have been worth driving clear across the island to go there. But for me, it was a really fun morning because I read in my little guidebook that, you know, the visitor center opens at 9, but El Yunque, the forest, opens at 7.30. And I was reading this, it was 6.30 in the morning, so I just got in the car and I went there. And I was the only one there. Now, Monica, I wanted to know, were you traveling around the island with the spatula? Because I can see that you might need to apply sunscreen, perhaps bug spray. You could have used it for bug I, spray. I, I believe I could have used a little bug spray in uh, El Yunque. It was great. I got there at 7.30 in the morning. There were a couple of other people there. They have all these trails you can go hiking on, beautiful vistas. You can see clear out to the ocean. It was great for a morning activity. I don't know that I could have spent all day there. I mean, there were people there outfitted for day-long hikes, but I needed to get back to the beach, (laughs) you know? So anyways, I did that. Uh, Very, very fun. I also just drove around to like Fajardo, this town that has a harbor and there's boats there, looked around. um, And every, and and right next to where I was staying, there was this beach called Laquillo Beach, Laquillo Beach. I don't know how to say it, but um, they have a row of restaurants 
these open air restaurants called these kioscos and you go there and there's like 30 restaurants in a row and it just was fun. I had dinner there every night and uh, I did discover uh, mojitos, I have to say. <laughs> I now, uh, so you made the switch from the pina colada to the mojito? Yes, I did. I did not think I enjoyed mint in drinks or mint in my food, but I guess I had never really had a great mojito before. So I did enjoy one mojito um, when I was picking up my dinner to go. It was really, really a lot of fun, but uh, I had to get home. And yeah. it's a long, it's a long flight, you know, from Puerto Rico to Portland. So I flew from San Juan to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Portland. I had a very tight connection in Atlanta. It was only forty minutes, but ooh. Ooh, but Julie, ooh, you know how anxious you get. I, I get so anxious, but that forty minutes had been reduced to twenty minutes by the time I got off the plane. Oh. And Atlanta's big. It's huge, yeah. It's huge. So I, this is not normally my style. I started running, sort of walking extremely briskly running. I even ran up the escalators, which is not my style at all, at all. But I only had 10 minutes to make that plane. And I was determined to make that plane. So I get on the plane, a little bit red faced. I'm obviously the last person on the plane. Everyone's settled. And I get to my seat. And there's someone sitting in my seat. Oh, no. And they're extremely, uh, they're large, you know, they're very, very large. So I knew that they were going to be, that large person was going to be stuffed in the middle seat next to me. And I do feel sorry for people that are six feet tall and weigh, you know, that weigh a lot. Go ahead. How much, how much does this person weigh in your estimate? Yep. 280. Yeah. Okay. So okay. big person. Yeah, so, and there was just something a little strange about her. So I got to my seat, and I had an aisle, and she said, I would like to offer you the middle seat. Oh, okay. And besides a million dollars, what else is in your offer? Exactly, a whole new tact, Liz. She said in this sort of strange voice, I get up a lot, and I thought... For your convenience, you would enjoy the middle seat. And that is a nice switcheroo. That is so civil, Monica. You don't really find that uh, on many um, air flights these days. And her level of thoughtfulness, caring about you and your needs. I said, you know, I have to have the aisle. And so she reluctantly got up and she was dressed sort of goth. You know, there's black lipstick. There were a lot of lip and chin piercings, you know. Well, she's going to Portland, Monica. Right. She was coming to Portland, and, you know, I quickly, you know, summed it up that she was actually a he. I'm fine with that, oh. you know. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. So uh, he, she squeezes herself into the middle seat, um, and then she smiles at me, and she has fangs. <laughs> No, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? She's like put in some No, her teeth are fangs. She has filed her teeth. She is a vampire. Oh my god. So, Where is the TSA when you need them? Why so, would something like that even be allowed on a plane? There is a large vampire. <laughs> uh, uh. 
<laughs> sitting next to me. Talk about, talk about like the vacation is over. <laughs> and it's a four and a half hour flight. And I, she's just not sitting next to me. She's sitting in my seat too, because there's a lot of spillover. So I thought, oh gosh, well, Monica, you know, just try to People have different lifestyles, and I hope I don't hear from vampires now. <laughs> then right, she, you are a kind and understanding person, so so she got lucky that someone like you was in the seat next to her. Right, right. Large vampire spilling over into my seat, and then she smiles at me again. I'm like, don't show me those fangs. And I see that she, she has vampire eyes. What she do you mean? Those vampire contacts. So, no, what, like, what is that? What like, is- totally googly, f- freaked me out eyes. And one is like green and bloodshot, and the other's red. And I was like, don't look at me. I'm not. I just made, I'm like, I'm not talking to you anymore. Oh, my God. This is the time for noise-canceling headphones. Monica, you can't go to sleep on this flight now because you're next to a vampire, right? uh, Yes. I'll tell you, at some point, I got a little bit worried because I looked at her. I mean, her head was right next to me. (laughs) And those fangs were right next to me. And she put put on this hood. You know, she had a hoodie, but it had a big hood on it. And then she took out these sunglasses, but I swear to God, they were the biggest, blackest sunglasses. I think the lenses were opaque. They were like two black discs. (laughs) That's what you needed, so you didn't have to look at her. And then she took out a black kerchief and wrapped it around her face and her mouth. Her nose and her mouth. And I well, was that like, was obviously to keep her from just biting you. I guess that was, that was like she went into this sort of vampire trance, and I, I could not relax. I mean, I, I just did not know what was going to happen next. So, just vampires on a plane, and she did have to get up quite a few times to go into the overhead bin to get things out of her backpack and i'm like what i just was i was on edge julie i was on edge and uh what kind of interaction did you or she have with the flight attendants like when they came by with the bev card was there any acknowledgement between you and the flight attendants that you had no no you know what the woman on the aisle i mean on the window she they struck up a conversation i'm like i i just don't know how you can talk to i just was freaked out looking at her it was mainly her eyes the vampire they were like low in the dark bloodshot eyes and it just was a very strange airplane experience but uh I made it home. Okay. Yeah, welcome home. <laughs> you have any like bulbs of garlic you could just put out <laughs> on your, like, your snack tray or anything? <laughs> but I think it just it could be an episode of Portlandia. You I know. know. That's, yeah, I'm sure there's a vampire episode coming up if they haven't done one already. <laughs> I have never seen that though. The filed teeth. Had you ever seen that before? Um, no, I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. I mean, real fangs. It wasn't like she put in dentures or anything. It was, I was like, don't smile at me. <laughs> Do not smile at me because I can't stand it. Anyways, I just tried to get in my own space with my noise-canceling headphones and 
not talk to her. Wow, that's just such an interesting sort of etiquette challenge, what to do when seated next to a vampire, you know, because <laughs> chances are vampires don't want you to look them straight in the eye, right? That would, you know. I guess so- that's why she put on the opaque black glasses. <laughs> well, it was, it was daytime, right? I mean, they almost had it. She had to hide from the light, Julie. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So did I at that point. Okay, so now you're home safe and sound in Portland. Yeah, missing those mojitos. Hey, I read a great book on my vacation. I just want to throw this out there. I don't know if anyone has read this. The Orchardist? No. No. By Amanda Copeland or Copeland. It was her, it's her debut novel. It's really, really a good book. Very melancholy, uh, beautifully written. They, it's, she said it took her eight years to write it. It's just really, it's about a, a man, an old man that lives in an orchard in Washington state and things happen there. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. I highly recommend it. The Orchardist. Okay, so once everybody finishes Elizabeth the First Wife, this would be sort of the opposite of that. <laughs> it would be. You might want to read The Orchardist first because it is a sad, sort of sad, melancholy book. And then switch to Elizabeth the First Wife. <laughs> uh, okay, Julie, so uh, like at your end of the world, uh, you had a lot of action. It was a very big week. Uh, as for uh, the First Lady's desk, I was so excited because, indeed, the opening of uh, President Bush Library at SMU campus, so that meant there were five First Ladies here in Dallas. And I don't know if you had any opportunity to see any of the coverage, but those five First Ladies looked fantastic. Did you see them? Did you see how- I saw. I didn't see it on the tel- television. I just saw some still photos. Yeah, no, they looked absolutely fantastic. Very good. They they came along with their husband. So, oh yes, by the way, there were five presidents here in Dallas. And I would say the city of Dallas did a great job because there had been a lot in the, you know, the paper about there's going to be, you know, very tight security. There's going to be a lot of road closures. I mean, just imagine the logistics of moving around five presidents. Plus they had all these um, pro- former prime ministers were here. Tony Blair was here. Berlusconi was here in Dallas. Uh, you know, not really. Make- Berlusconi gets invited yes. to stuff like that. Yes. yes. Wow. Berlusconi <laughs> was here. Yes. So uh, I mean, it just he is under indictment, and yeah. he's, yes, got, he's, he's got a- some stuff going on at home. So yeah, he's got that like bunga bunga room trial going on. So he, he's got some problems, but he he managed to free up some time to come over here to Dallas. But I have to say, it was pretty exciting to have them all here. It was a great day, and you know, I watched I watched much of the coverage the, um, at the beginning when the presidents were coming out, and you know, one of the nice things was. They were also civil to each other, you know. That just, you know, in in a in a world where all it seems like all of our politics is about bickering, it was just so nice uh, to hear like Bill Clinton making jokes um, about Mrs. Barbara Bush and you know and how much and Bush forty one. So that was very very pleasant. Um, so I I enjoyed that very much. And I had my I was not invited. Um, our brother Jim emailed me and wanted to know if we were going to the opening. I was like. No, somehow our invitation, I don't know what happened to it, but we, we, 
invited. We did, we did not get to sit with Berlusconi and the likes of that. Um, but it was great TV watching, and that, that was good. It made me think of mom and dad, actually, because it's the kind of event I know they would have loved to watch on TV, and I'm sure I would have called them up right afterwards, and we would have done a blow-by-blow -blow, um, of, you know, all the details of, you know, of, the, of what, you know, the TV coverage. But it was great. But I, for me, the most exciting thing was my neighbor called me at about 4.30 in the afternoon on Thursday, and she's like, get outside. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Is it a tornado? Is it? No, she said, Air Force One is going to be taking off in a few minutes. If you want to see Air Force One, get outside. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So that was pretty exciting. So I, I, I ran out my front door. I, we live pretty close to Love Field, and that's where President Obama was uh, taking off from. Uh, I did not actually see Air Force One take off, but I have to say I saw Marine One fly the helicopter uh, fly right over my house. So oh, I, that is cool. I felt like that was pretty exciting. It was actually four or five helicopters, so I can't say which one was actually Marine One. And uh, I think that's why they do that, right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's security. Ooh, um, mm -hmm. uh, that was, was my, little, um, my little brush with, um, you know, with the presidents uh, coming through. I feel like I was close to President Obama. Not that close, but, uh, but close. Uh, he was in a helicopter because after the opening of the uh, presidential library, he and Michelle Obama had gone by helicopter from Dallas down to Waco, Texas. And they were having a memorial service for the volunteer firemen that were killed in that terrible accident in West Texas when the fertilizer plant blew up. And again, I don't know if you've had a chance to hear what the president said, but he gave a absolutely beautiful speech. I, you know, I mean, it was just so touching about the value of a small town and the values that come out of a small town and how important small towns like West Texas are to America. So it was, you know, and the... Yeah, I saw some of that on the news and just, you know, that, the fact that he was just giving a speech in Boston last week at a completely different kind of memorial, like in the big city and the spirit of the big city and then to be in the small town and capture what is so unique there so well, that is, you know, it was very moving. Both of the, I agree with you, Liz, both of those speeches were really, really moving and um, just really to the point. But it, uh, sisters, I have to say, I am now, I believe, I think this could be true. That <laughs> <laughs> This is a big buildup. It could be true. <laughs> it could be true. I believe President Obama listens to Satellite Sisters. I don't know. If you heard that speech in West Texas, you will recall that he referenced the, the gas station stop, the check stop that I spoke about last week on our podcast and about the, the check pastries, the kolaches that they sell. Uh, this is on Interstate 35. The check stop is in West Texas. It has that name because there are a lot of Czech immigrants that, um, that settled in West Texas. And they have these delicious pastries. So you fill up with gas and you get these great pastries. And President Obama had that in his speech when he was talking to the people of West Texas. So there can only be one explanation for There's that. There's only one possible explanation <laughs> that somehow, you know, while managing the terror situation and the situation in Syria, 
that President Obama and perhaps Michelle, they want a little, you know, easy listening, and they download Satellite Sister podcasts. Uh-huh. And so that's, that's what I think. So, I find uh, that totally plausible in every way. <laughs> and, well, it's about as plausible as Monica sitting next to a vampire. <laughs> So that was really, at one level, you know, to have presidential excitement, that was great. On another level, I have to say that I am so grateful to the Satellite sister, Sisterhood because you, in, in particular to Carol, because I think you were the first to alert me via our Facebook page, my Facebook page, that apparently something had gone wrong and that my Facebook page had been hacked and I had been sending out wildly inappropriate videos to <laughs> anyone that knew me or liked me or friended me on Facebook. And I want to, I, I just, I want to thank Carol and every other satellite sister that, that, that they got into a discussion that they didn't possibly think that I could be sending out these videos, which I really appreciate that, that no, indeed, I was not sending out videos. I had been hacked and... Now there are all kinds of embarrassing videos. <laughs> Julie, I knew that was you, was not you the minute I saw it because you rarely post on your Facebook page. And I was like, why would Julie post this really inappropriate video? If I, I, I had a feeling it wasn't you. It was your someone else. Yes. Yeah, and even just the message with the video. I didn't even have to, I never even clicked on the video. I, I just uh, I saw the thumbnail and it's then the I, I saw that the caption was like how embarrassing or something like that. <laughs> I was like, okay, there is no way in the world Julie Dolan would post that. I don't even need to look any further. I see two words and the thumbnail of the video and I'm out of there really fast. I was not as thoughtful as Carol. Carol alerted you to the problem. Yes, she did. I, I, I mean, did not do that. I just moved on with my life. But I'm glad Carol <laughs> took responsibility. And, you know, I had just seen that movie, Disconnect, which I highly recommend. I don't know if you've seen it yet, sisters. No. no. Jason Bateman in it. It's very good. It's really, really, the acting in it is really, really good. But it's all about, uh, it's, it's just three different stories intertwined. But the theme is about being, you know, either digitally connected or disconnected. And what, you know, what some of the TV show, Monica, good thinking. Go ahead. <laughs> I watch Splash. <laughs> Okay, but in Smash, the character that's played by Deborah Messing, who is the show creator of Bombshell, the story about Marilyn Monroe, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they were red tops. (laughs) Okay, that's an excellent advice. This is my problem. I know. This is my problem. It just, and the third part of the Tupperware protocol, the third part of the question was, isn't it part of the protocol that you're supposed to return the containers with food in them? Yes, like yes, a, yes, isn't yes. there a reciprocal food exchange that is part of this? Yes, Liz. So, but I don't want you to start making anything. Please don't. <laughs> don't go into Please don't do Please that. Don't, do that. That's don't not buy me. new Tupperware. Just I'm, return I mean, what you have and tell them they can just pick what they want. I would I would get a little box of candy, Liz, to okay. um, to, oh. to present. Yes, yes, to present. You could put the little box in the yes. Tupperware. So- 
some uh, fine chocolates with yes, some salt nice, on it. Yes, that would be very nice. Or just some sea salt. You know, some. I mean, that's a nice gift too. Flavored salt. You know, I could get that at Williams Sonoma. Yes, you could. Liz. <laughs> yes, you could. And that's yes. That um, um, you seem hell bent on going to Williams Sonoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, under no circumstances should you bake a casserole, Liz. <laughs> Okay. No brownies. Someone else's, you know, Tupperware and return it to them. Do not do that. Okay. All right. So that is. um, That's that's very clear direction. I appreciate that. (laughs) I just I'm not that experienced in these matters of Tupperware. So it just seems incredibly lame. Like, you know, so many months later. It's not okay. They understand. It is not too late. It is not too late at all. You. It's not lame. They people understand. Um, but they would like it back. I, that's I, that's that's the other part. People like their Tupperware. I know so. they do. Yeah, especially serious cooks. And, yes, and they're yes. serious cooks. So they're the right says because they've picked, selected the right size and shape that fits in their refrigerator or storage area. So you know, do your best. But yeah, just put some chocolate or some nice salt. Go so go to William Sonoma. <laughs> And <laughs> what you're going to do there. That's my advice. Okay. Okay. All right. I will, um, I, I, I will take that under advisement. That seems like the right thing to do. Uh, and I just, yeah, I just didn't know. Uh, all right. Any, anything else going on? What do you guys have going on this week? Anything uh, on, the, on the agenda? Uh, trying to catch up with all the work I didn't do for the past 10 days. That would be it. Bye. Bye.